like the real deal now. Ooh. Gonna kick this sorry ass out on the street. Welcome to the Lord and Western podcast. My name is Robert Fuller, and joining me today is one of the co-hosts of the Gator Pit podcast, Nick Gator. Nick, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. And we are continuing our 10 years of Money in the Bank by talking about the match at WrestleMania 23. And this is an interesting one because uh, not so much for the match itself, but particularly for what happened afterwards. Um, because for most of the money band matches, there's very little story going on into it. But I think what happened afterwards is probably more interesting. Um, so, Nick, um, when you first heard about money, what were your first impressions of it? I thought it was a really interesting idea that you would have this opportunity. And I was thinking it could be an opportunity, as it's been, to take younger talent or you know people who were maybe in that next generation <clears throat> And give them an opportunity and it would give them this opportunity where they could sort of take advantage. And I think, for example, someone like Edge, after Edge won and he cashed in on Cena uh, after Cena had been in a brutal match, that sort of became the pattern of the of the money in the bank holder taking advantage of you know, these opportunities. And then it's they've they've gotten away from that in, in some regards. But I think I thought it was a great idea as a concept that you could really, you know, push someone and it could create it could create opportunities where um, on any given night, on any given Raw, uh, on any given SmackDown, at any opportunity, you could have the world title change hands. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I think that's one thing you like about the whole money about the concept. We, um, we became a big fan of a lot of matches there, one of the types of matches. Um, you know, as I've watched all the events, you get some repetitive bits like, you know, doing them pulled off and then the, uh, what called the, the bigger pile, like, aerial spots. But I think that it creates a bit of unpredictability in those because you don't know when it'll cash in. And you spend, like, time during that time, like, see, so, like a champion getting beaten up, and you wonder, oh, could he, would he cash in there, would he cash in there? Um, so I think it's a good concept that they... Uh, yeah, they, absolutely. Um, so the competitors for this one are um, Finley, um, King Booker, because he was King Booker at this time, uh, Jeff Hardy, CM Punk, Edge, Mr. Kennedy, Randy Orton, and Matt Hardy. Uh, do you think that's a good group of guys to go with in this match? I think it's quite a, an eclectic group, <clears throat> and you have you sort of have what you've seen in most of the Money in the Banks. You have younger guys who haven't had those opportunities. You have guys who have been there who could be back, someone like a Booker T. Uh, and then you sort of have like that grizzled veteran like Finley. So yeah, and I think you have, an, you have enough people in here who can do the aerial stuff, who have ladder match experience. I mean, look look who's in this match. Uh, you know, Egg, both Hardy brothers. You have, you have people who are, um, you know, ladder people. And it, I think it was an interesting mix, 
And the only thing that might have been missing, I mean, you had sort of had Jeff Hardy in there. They had some good spots, but they were missing sort of that. You know, if you look now, most of these matches have at least one person who's there to do the big spot. You know, it was Shelton Benjamin for all those years. It was Kofi. Uh, you know, now it's maybe Neville. That this might have been missing it, and it was sort of a different kind of Money in the Bank match when you watch it. It, it wasn't as much about <clears throat> the aerial stuff. It was very gritty. Um, there was blood. Uh, CM Punk got blood. Finley got blood. And I, of all the matches, I, I think they just hadn't come up with that sort of style of Money in the Bank. But yeah, I think this is a really good lineup because it really does sort of <clears throat> it really does showcase different wrestlers in different eras and uh, as you remember at the time this was sort of during the brand extension and you had people representing all the brands um w small <coughs> raw smackdown and ecw <coughs> excuse me and that meant that you had all the announcers on so i think there were six announcers on the on the broadcast and that created its own sort of interesting dynamic. So I think the announcer dynamic was interesting. And I think the dynamic of all, all the participants was interesting this year. Yeah. I'm just about the announcers. Cause uh, I think it's like, there's a second of like three or four where you have every commentator involved in talking about this match. If it takes it away, do you think do you mean it kind of does suit it? Or do you think it would be better to have, they say, someone like J.R. King and maybe Taz, commentate just on the money about match itself yeah yeah so do you think it was better having having everyone take part or just have the two of them of the announcers uh i it's tough to say there's positives and negatives uh it's probably just better to have two people, whoever that might be, or maybe yeah. three people, whoever that might be, but you end up having everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not even a fan of three-man booths, so a six-man booth is, you know, really um, a lot of a cluster, and you have people trying to talk over one another and get their different points in, and they, they did a pretty good job of sort of focusing on their brand's wrestlers when their brand's wrestler was um, involved. So I give them credit for doing the best they could, but I think that was sort of a, that was sort of a mistake. But the whole thing with the brand extension and the announcers was, it never quite worked on the, on the big, on the big multi-brand pod, uh, multi-brand shows. They just never, it was usually, um, you know, one announced team. It got kind of weird. Yeah. So they always kind of – they never really got that whole thing right. So I would have been – I think in general, as a wrestling fan, to enjoy what's going on, I think two announcers would have been just fine. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we get to the match. Pretty much most of these other matches, I'll stop boring. But we get to the bit where Kenny um, does a splash onto Bucky, Booker, Osman, Kennedy, uh, Jeff Hardy, and Punk. Edge is trying to climb up with Matt Hardy, stops him. And then uh, you get Austin Finley find the top of the ladder, but it topples, but they just carry on boring. And there's a bit with um, Booker T when he, he tried to grab a ladder from under the wing, but it's uh, probably the smallest ladder possible. Um, so he's like in shock about that, but Punk like, hits him from behind, and then he attacks uh, Austin Finley with that ladder, and then Edge packs him as well. And um, you get a lot of um, Booker T starts using spine busters, um, he hits a high kick Kennedy. Um, and then he does what I think is one of the 
probably the dumbest thing he always does, is that every time he does like a big move, he, he has this sudden urge to do the spinning rooney, and I think nine times out of ten, especially in WWE, um, it comes back to Horton because he gets like killed uh, as soon as he finishes it. Yeah, and I think even the announcers comment on that, that they say you should be going for the latter and not a WrestleMania spinner Rooney. Yeah, um, I think the made me laugh was when he, when he was commentating, I think, on the 2011 match. Uh, Kobe King kind of dances a little bit, and he's like going, oh, should it be dancing, should it be dancing? And I think to myself, you are the biggest fucking hypocrite ever. You do do that stuff all the time. So um, he's probably just, um, he probably forgot about all the spinning music at the time. Um... So after this spinning when he gets sandwiched by Lars by the Hardy and then Matt hits Edge with the side effect. And um Edge has two plaxes Matt under the ladder and then gets thrown to the outside by Kennedy. Um Kennedy goes to the Kenton and Matt, but he misses it hit the ladder and Jeff hits a swanton on Kennedy himself. Um my Jeff kind of I can't remember if they were together at this point or they as split apart. I don't know if you remember. No, it well, if I remember correctly, right around this time, it was really like Matt was in that thing with Edge and yeah. all that was going on. So I believe at this point, and it would be, I believe, a year and a half later or so that Jeff would win the world title. So I believe they were apart at this point. Yeah. Um, so pretty much they start working together, and then uh, after that, they climb up the ladder and start flying out. And then Billy tops the ladder and he does a few clothes ladders. Um, and then his ladder. Um, Edge discovers he has a hard enough of spears. Um, so he spits, he hits a spear to Finley, Orton, Booker, Kelly, and the Hollis on that order. Um, he goes to spear Punk, Punk lead blocks him, and Edge goes head first into the corner. And um, there's a bit where Punk does like, you know, the ladder helicopter puts it up on his shoulders and starts like hitting people. And then um, there's a bit when Jeff hits the first suplex and then Edge drop. And one of the nicest spot, he, Jeff left drops Edge through a ladder from another ladder. And uh, JBL, for some reason, is like breaking for it. I thought that was a pretty nice spot because I know Jeff has done spots with ladders before, especially during the TLC matches. Uh, yeah, I mean, those are the people, you know, that's who's going to be in this match, who's going to give you those moments among among this group of wrestlers. Yeah, that's true. Um, at this point, um, the EMTs go to uh, Jeff and Edge, and you get to see, uh, while they're doing that, Alton um, starts, he, uh, he hits RKL to Matt Finley and Kennedy, and then, uh, but you get to see Edge stretched off at this point. I'm not sure if that was part of the storyline or that really happened. Um, do you know anything about that at all? I believe it was just part of the storyline. I don't, because he's not out of action after this for any sustainable length of time. Yeah. So I think that might have been a way to um, maybe protect him or uh, or what, because they had big plans for him. He had just come off a big, uh, you know, a big moment himself. So I'm going to guess it was just part of a storyline to yeah. kind of protect him. Yeah. Um, so we get a bit where Puff Nose stopped fighting out and then Olsen RPO's punk off the ladder. Um, Booker climbs up, but when, when Orton tries to arc him off, Booker hits the bookhead instead. Um, when Booker climbs up, uh, Matt follows him, and then Queen Shamel, who's a real life Booker T's wife, pulls down Matt. Um, and then Matt, I can't remember if it was a good or bad guy at this point, but he's had to become a bit of a dick here. 
because he puts Shamal in a fist of fate position and tells uh, Booker to come, you know, primarily, if you don't come down, we're going to kill, hit her with a fist of fate. Um, Booker, as the gentleman, comes down and gets hit with a fist of fate instead. Um, I don't know, I thought that was a bit of a dick move by Matt, but I can't remember he was a heel at this point. I think he might have been. It's it's really one of those sort of weird blurry areas because when he came back and he was feuding with Edge, uh, you know, it was basically over the Lita stuff and he was definitely a face then, but I don't know. And in these matches, you know, you get a little ruthless, so you yeah. can even when you're a face, you can be a heel for one night. Yeah. Um Friendly uh, topples the um, ladder that Matt is on, and then he gets a Celtic cross uh, onto Matt. Uh, Friendly struggles double, and then we get the appearance of Hornswoggle. He comes from out the ring from nowhere. Uh, at this point, he was he was um, affiliated with Finley, um, and he, he starts to climb up. Uh, Kennedy like climbs up, and Hornswoggle like tries to stop him by slapping him twice. What can he do to fight like 10 times the size of Hornswoggle? Um, it pretty much kills him with a Pittsburgh plunge off the ladder. Um, and then, yeah, Finley follows the ladder at Kennedy, and then he starts to climb up. And then, uh, and he gets dealt with by uh, Punk. And then, at the end of it, you get Punk and Kennedy start um, fighting at the top of the ladder. Uh, Punk pushes Kennedy off, but Kennedy falls, um, pretty much falls the ladder at Punk's head and sends him to the map. And then Kenny climbs up, drops the briefcase, and wins the match. Um, did you think Mr. Kennedy was a good choice to win the match here? I do because a lot of people who, if you weren't watching WWE at the time, may not remember how big a push Mr. Kennedy received in that in that year. And, and they talk about it on commentary. He had beaten seven former world champions in the last year, and they had really high hopes for him. Um, so of these people, I think he was the the right person, uh, especially for the context of what Money in the Bank meant. Yeah. And I was I thought it was the right move. I did. I I think for most of the WrestleMania Money in the Banks, I think in general they usually went with the right person. So on this night at this time, it was the right person to win. Now of course things happened afterwards that changed everything but uh for this night in this moment i thought yes it was it was the right move for sure yeah i mean um i mean I'm, i wasn't watching at this point but i do remember a little bit when he first started just having this odd this like weird feud with tony Chimmel, who used to be this battle announcer um but i know tna's not like the greatest company in the world but he did he did some good stuff tna and he was a world champion there as well um i would love to talk about mr kennedy's passion and uh, slight problem he doesn't um, Mr. Kennedy in real life gets injured, um, so the trade trick storyline because Ed has been stretched off, he didn't technically lose the match. So he um, goes goes in, pretty much goes Mr. Kennedy into uh, having a match for the briefcase on war. Um, Mr. Kennedy comes down and then pretty much Ed just beats the fuck out of him, and it's pretty much frostbite because of the injury. Um, and then when they both come in, go to the wing. Right, very sure that Kennedy goes to Kennedy, do you want to fight, do you want to carry on? Kennedy goes, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. And as soon as the bell rings, Ed kills him with a spear and wins the match and becomes the new owner of the briefcase. Um, so obviously, 
do you think Kennedy would have been a good champion if he wasn't injured? Do you think he would have been someone you could see as a world champion? Yes, absolutely. Especially the way they had booked him and everything. And he, he has been able to go to TNA and he has been able to be pretty successful in TNA. At the time, I think he absolutely could have had a good title rate. He could have cashed in. And he was one of the uh, first people to talk about cashing in at WrestleMania. But everyone sort of they talk about cashing in at WrestleMania, and then something happens. Daniel Bryan did that, where he yeah. talked about wanting to cash in at WrestleMania, but it just didn't happen. But yeah, I think the way he had been booked, I think he would have been credible, and I think it would have been good for his career. And he was, um, you know, relatively young. He was in his early 30s at the time, and it was he he was poised to do that. And then it makes you wonder if you know if that happens, then. If he cashes in, what is the ripple effect? Is there no is there no CM Punk? Is there no Jeff Hardy as a world champion? Stuff like that. So I think it would have worked. I think it would have been good. And I think history the, the history of of wrestling could be very different if he had gone on to uh, to cash in successfully. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Um, do you think it was a right thing to give it back to Edge? I don't I don't understand if Kayfabe kind of didn't make sense because he he wasn't involved in the match. Or do you still think it was a the right decision? Uh, yeah, for some of the same reasons, I think, I think, you know, if they, if they got, if they got to do this, if they decide this is what's got to happen, I think it was as good an idea as any. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, so, um, Ed, it doesn't really fuck around, I can't remember if the, the week off, it could get the other week after, um, at SmackDown, uh, Undertaker as, he's the world have the champion time, and just defeated the Batista and Spade of Cage match, but he got, he was really dope, he got, it was a very demanding match, um, Mark Henry then suddenly attacks Undertaker and um keeps on destroying him. Um Ed comes down and catches in. Um he tries to cover him twice, but Undertaker kicks it out both times. And um and Undertaker very slowly starts to get up and Ed spears him and wins the um World Heavyweight Championship. And then he celebrates by hitting Undertaker with the briefcase. <laughs> so um with that decision I think I think I just want to try a good cash in and perhaps a bit, even though he's the Undertaker, he's not like this mythical figure like he was when he first started. Just cash in on someone like that is a bit of a ballsy move. Yeah, I agree. It's It was very interesting because Edge was, you know, the ultimate opportunist, but I think going in against the Undertaker, that's, you know, that's not taking, that's not taking advantage of an opportunity there. But I think it played out because now you, you, have all this going on and and it sort of tells a story that takes a year to you know we get back to wrestlemania 24 and the main event is edge versus the undertaker yeah i agree i mean um i think i think this is when the ultimate opportunist gimmick kind of started because we were catching twice and the kind of started building on that um and i i first i mean i, I don't know who was wrestling this time i knew him and i think him and undertaker pretty much like exchange championship during that time but it was a very um, good, I think it was a good guy to have kind of come in and then um, cash it in. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So that's a must be twenty three in the book. So um, Nick, where can we find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Gator, all one word. And you can find us every week on the Gator Pit Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Gator Pit Podcast, all one word. You can find us on Spreaker, on iTunes, and on Four Corners Radio. Um, and for me, um, you can follow me at Twitter at Lowdown Wrestling, all one word. 
the podcast is at loadsofwestern.wordpress.com and I write a blog pretty much focus on paper review, reviews and where I can occasional uh, opinion pieces and that is on loadsofwestern.blogspot.com so Nick thank you again for being on the show absolutely and uh, Joe, and until then take care of yourselves and goodbye